welcome back to Endurance Icons, where we talk to individuals who are inspiring and excelling in the world of endurance sport. We are Mark and Jess, your hosts, and today you just have us. We don't have a guest, um, but this is something that we had introduced about a month ago, and we, well, to the surprise of us, you liked this and you want us to continue. So we're going to be checking in about once a month on various different topics, um, and the one that we're tackling today is uh, the marathon. So Mark, how are you feeling since the marathon? How's the body feeling? Yeah, so I had the nice alpha fly blisters. So I had to take two weeks off running after the race, which honestly, after a marathon, not the worst thing to do anyways, kind of a a blessing in disguise, I guess. It, some forced recovery in the middle of the year, but yeah, I was kind of dealing with that for the last two weeks. So never really got to test the body too much. So just kind of ramping back this week and Definitely a bit of a shock to the system, uh, introducing running again, weird aches and pains. I feel like I was doing some weird, um, yeah, just walking weird with those blisters and stuff that my, my body's feeling it a little bit this first week back. And we'll get into what happened with your blisters when we talk about your race, but, um, I'll ask you what we often ask our guests, what was on your training schedule for today? Yeah. So it was a light, slightly lighter day today, just kind of a bit of a volume day. We had done kind of an intense, uh, fun holiday triathlon at our gym yesterday. That was like, uh, you would work as a team and do a, um, kind of ski erg and then the assault bike and then into like a, a mile run at the end. So that was rather intense for, uh, systems, especially as endurance athletes that are used to kind of the long, slow grind. So, um, today was a lighter day. We did kind of an easy morning run, just like 45 minutes, and then just got back from a glorious bike ride with some perfect conditions where we were just flying along for not a whole lot of effort. And it was just one of those nights that makes you kind of love biking a lot. I know. And so sorry to those of you watching online. I haven't even showered, so I know that's gross. I just hopped off the bike and here we are. <laughs> I did shower. I have class. I know. So, um, Okay, well, this is a great time to move away from that topic. Uh, the marathon. So I know that leading into the marathon, I think the last uh, podcast that we recorded, we were with Kara talking about nutrition and the marathon um, fueling. So talk to us about what the day before looked like for you. Yeah, um, day before. Yeah, I kind of had front loaded the day with my breakfast and lunch being my two bigger meals. I honestly can't even remember what we ate now that I look back on it. Um, but two bigger meals there and then kind of a a lighter sort of dinner the night before. But I felt like I like crushed the carbs. I had like a couple hundred grams for sure, something in the like five or six hundred grams of carbs on the day, just chugging juice and stuff that day, but never felt like lethargic or like I was stuffing myself I just like took on a ton of carbs and like felt like I nailed that pretty well I think for this podcast I'm going to create a reel of what I because I actually did document everything I ate that day with the intention of creating a reel so we'll do this keep a lookout on our socials for this um and I had like like 550 grams throughout the day it was insane how many like I have to say I nailed this carb load like I, I truly think going into this marathon, my training was perfect. My carb load was perfect. Like I really felt like I was able to do something special. There was a few things that were like bothering me the week of, like, for instance, my GPS watch decided to go on strike. So 
it was like way off. It was dropping like half a K for every kilometer. Um, it was saying that I was running like half the amount of time that you were, which was freaking me out a little bit going into the race. Um, but you were reminding me that it's important. This is why you practice pacing so that if things go wrong in your watch and because the race was in Toronto, um, this can really affect the GPS quality. So it is, a, it was a good reminder for me, um, in terms of not letting your GPS, uh, affect your headspace. Um, but that was something that I was battling leading into it, but um, a, ra- a very random story about, um, that was in the triathlon world that I thought was very fascinating recently about like pre-raced mindset is, uh, India Lee was just racing in, um, Samarin, Slovakia. They had like that, they have that like challenge championship race and before the, so this is like a flat bike course, but in transition before the race, her gears were not working. What? So she had. So she could have very well just been like, I think like 95% of pros would have been like, I'm just not going to race. Yeah. She stuck it in a gear that she thought might be like doable for the race. And she's like, screw it. I'm going to give it a shot. So like crazy pre-race mindset of like, everything's against you. But then what happened was she went in the swim, she got on the bike and said, she was just like angry that this was happening to her, but crushed the bike, got off the bike with the lead ran and nobody caught her and she ended up winning the race so like oh my goodness how good of a thing is that like to not let pre-race things like you just got to give yourself a chance so just a cool like story from recent that uh of things working out you just gotta do what you can with the cards you're dealt so that is inspiring that reminds me of um one of my first 5k races do you remember and I was I think it was my first I don't know sub 19 minute 5k I was tripped at the start line. Like it was a really like ugly start. And I was so mad that I ran angry. So I think sometimes like that fuel is helpful, but yeah. yeah. Bit of an aside there of like pre-race mindset. And um, so what else was kind of up against you before the race? Did you feel like you said you had, a you had mentioned a couple things? I'm trying to think. I mean, I had the con like the niggles, like every, <laughs> I joked before my Ironman, I felt like I had a broken femur. Like there's all your body does all these weird things, but I have to say, like, I, I prepped really well. I went in with a balanced mindset. The GPS was really the only thing I was excited. I was really proud of all the training that I had done. Like it what, was- ab- what about female anatomy? Do you want to talk about that one? Cause that oh, was, sure. that. I feel like all of your races or all of our races to start the year have fallen on like the seventh of the month, almost like every single month. So maybe talk about that. Yeah, sure. So it's a crapshoot then of whether or not I'm going to get my period. It's like, will I, won't I? Because it's either going to be if you race according to your cycle, um, often right before your period is one of the worst times that you can race. And then the, you know, once you're in your period, it's awesome. Um, so I was really, really hoping that the uh, marathon would land over the time that I got my period. And the day before I got my period and that moment, like I ran downstairs and was like (laughs) screaming with joy to you. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. Like it was, it was the wildest thing. My, my mindset was in such a good spot. Like I feel like everything leading into this race was just in such a perfect spot for me to do something really special. But we're going to find out as we go along the marathon, you can do everything perfect, but it has its own plans sometimes. But like no excuses, like rock solid um, mental space going into this. Um, And I controlled everything I could control. I fueled uh, appropriately. So what was your go-to breakfast in the morning? 
Oh my gosh. I blanked when you, Oh, um, oatmeal. I had oatmeal and a banana and then like a quarter cup of maple syrup on top, which is like 56 grams of carbs. So good. And we had that over three hours before the race, which was so good. Um, I had a couple coffees, um, some precision mix. Yeah. Yeah. I was just uh, sipping on that on the way, like feeling really, really good. Like race morning was great. I had lots of energy. Yeah. It was seamless. And like, we got all our bathroom breaks in and stuff. Like it was, everything seemed to be trending in the right direction. It was great. And then we saw our team and we did our warm up. Like it was feeling really good. And the one thing that I liked about this race, there were so many people that we knew, um, in the running community. And that always feels good to be at the start line. Oh, a funny story on the, the bus ride, um, because of the way Toronto marathon works is that you need to, um, take a shuttle to the start line, not as long as the Boston marathon for those of you who've ran that one. Um, but I was just sitting there and my hair elastic snapped. Um, and there was this, um, girl that I knew I was going to be running with, um, Vicky. And I messaged her. I was like, I have a bit of an emergency situation. Um, and she was going to bring me a hair elastic, but thankfully I found one on the floor of the bus and, uh, that saved the day because I did not want to run with my hair open, but, um, but that (laughs) true crisis. Um, okay. So we did our warm up. You were feeling good. Um, we were doing this nervous thing where we were running and then like every two minutes making the other person stopping like, I just need to retie my shoe. Yeah. Which I feel <laughs> like I should have just committed to the first time in hindsight because it did not work out well for my feet. So you wore vapor flies. I wore vapor flies. No alpha flies, alpha flies, alpha flies. version one. Yes. Love those shoes. That is our go-to race shoe. So for, and we're not sponsored by them. We just love that shoe. Um, so then we lined up and every, and like, I, again, I was just feeling excited, happy, um, standing with a bunch of friends at the start line. And it, it was, it felt just like a comfy temp at the start yeah. line too. Like it wasn't like it ended up getting warm in hindsight, like when we look back on the race and look at everybody's kind of data and stuff from the race, but didn't feel like, did you feel warm at the start line or anything? Do you remember in warm up? Like I was shivering. I was huh. so cold. Yeah. I was Weird. cold. I mean, I'm cold often. Yeah. You might not be the best uh, barometer for this. (laughs) Okay. So the race started a few minutes late, which I was fine with again. Like it was so great to be, I mean, we were talking with a bunch of people in the start line. It was, it, it just, it felt relaxed. Um, and that's kind of the headspace that I like to be in before a big race is just stay as relaxed and happy as I can. And just stay in that positive mind space. I think Toronto, uh, marathon as they had to send out their apology letter after might be a little bit too relaxed on a few things. And <laughs> the race starting was just the the start of their, the fun day that, uh, I'm, I think those race organizers had. I know. <laughs> I mean, as a person who like, I do events as a part of my job and I do feel for them. It's, it's hard to do an event. We can but... talk about that from our, our lens as we finish the race. Once we get to that point, yeah. <laughs> we're not here to hate though. It's hard to, it's hard to do a great event. Um, okay. So the race starts, how talk to me through the first 10 K. Yeah. So I was running with, uh, my pal, Jesse Bruce obstacle course racer who did like no specific marathon training for this, but the guy is just like an absolute weapon aerobic, like just beast. So running with him and we got in like a pack with some, some good people. And we were taking off like K's right kind of around where I wanted to be in that, like 350, 355 sort of range and just, yeah, rolling that first 10k pretty smooth. I felt like in control, 
Uh, the hill that's like five K in really wasn't too bad. I was getting my fueling going in a good rhythm. Like nothing really to note in the first 10 K. Like I've, I felt like I was right where I needed to be. What about yourself? Uh, so I started, so my goal pace, like I was very open. I said what I wanted to run sub 250, which I still believe is completely within my capabilities. Um, but so I went out at the right pace. I didn't go out too quickly. Um, which was really, I have to say, I have hundred percent give that to Vicky. Um, so she, I wasn't anticipating, um, being able to run with her, but, uh, we went out together and she basically asked like, what are you trying to run? And she ran with me. Um, and it ended up being a lifesaver for, um, the parts that we ran together. It was so much fun. Um, so her and I ran together for the first, um, portion of that, she was, um, you know, side by side up that hill. Um, and it was a decent enough hill, um, mm-hmm. really. Um, but honestly, like, so one of, one of the sound bites that you said to me before the race is that, you know, you should not be feeling bad before, I don't know, like 35 K like you really shouldn't yeah, be at least, suffering at least hard. like 30 or something. Yeah. Um, so I started feeling crummy by seven K, <laughs> um, So, and I think, I think it was because I was excited. I was nervous and I was tensing. So I was working really hard up the Hills. Um, and it was, you start the downhill at around eight K. Um, so after that large, um, is that correct? It's more like 12. Okay. Downhill starts. Um, but I did find that on a downhill. And then I mentioned it to Vicky. I was like, I, I have a cramp and she's like right in the side and you're in in the upper part of your ribs and she's like me too she's like all you need to do is breathe through that so it was so cool to have like this little motivational speaker right beside me so between 7k and 10k we were both just breathing really deeply and that was awesome um so if you ever have a side stitch um during a race focus on just really relaxing and breathing deeply and that was the coolest thing about a marathon is it's long enough that if you have something it's it's a whole day of problem solving Um, I was disappointed that I had something so early, but what I loved is that I was able to work through that. So no, that was the first 10 K. Nice. Okay. How about to the half marathon mark? Yeah. So that's where the long downhill section was. And this is where I started to first have some glimpses that I felt like the back half was going to be tough. So we were rolling that downhill section. It just felt like it was hard because the GPS wasn't really going and I should have trusted my intuition a little bit more but Jesse and the one guy were was running with at the time were just like just going just an ounce it must have been like a couple seconds of k2 mm-hmm. quick for me on that downhill and I was kind of thinking in my head I'm like oh it's like easier to run with a pack a couple seconds quicker than it is to have to go solo but in hindsight I should have just backed it off a bit and gone solo and it wasn't like I was running 15 seconds a K faster turned out to be like three or four seconds a K. But like when you're riding that razor's edge in a marathon, it definitely costs you. So, um, I started to feel the first glimpses of my quads getting destroyed and my feet getting destroyed, um, kind of on that downhill. So there was a couple aggressive downhills and then kind of the long downhill section. So I started to feel, um, I definitely have a bit of an imbalance, just the way my shoes wear and my like right quad was just starting to feel like you just started to feel like it was getting a little bit sore on some of those downs. And I'm like, oh man, this is so early for it to be like painful like this. So 
yeah, kind of rolled through. And I started to feel like on the bottom of my feet, that like spot right in the arch mm. um, where people typically get those alpha fly blisters, but like, it wasn't really hurting me. I just knew that it was going to be something at the end, but yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of got through halfway. And I, at that point, I think it was about 20 K. I just like kind of let them go and was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, but yeah, I was starting to hurt pretty early as well. And yeah, so weird. I think just underestimated those downhills a little bit on that first bit and definitely hurt going through the half. And I was like, well, it's going to be a, a grit, gritty second half here and a lot harder than I anticipated this to be. So let's see what we can make the most of in the back half. How was your downhill section? Um, I was disappointed and, and I would say a little alarmed at how bad I felt early on. Um, but this was another section of like problem solving. So I found that I, t- I talked about that cramp in the first portion and it wasn't going away as quickly as I wanted it to. Um, and I'm sharing because Vicky gave me so many great tips. So the second one that she gave me that worked really well, she's like, just smile. That's how you relax. So um, that's a great tip um, that I, it, it genuinely did work after I started smiling. Um, I relaxed enough that I started feeling good. And it was just around that time. Thank goodness she told me to smile um, because we saw our good friends, Peter and Claire. So it looked like I was having a blast, even though I was, you know, trying to overcome a little bit of pain. Um, But then the downhill started and it, it was a really great way to continue to relax um, and work through uh, that cramp. What then happened is that it almost became like a gut thing. Um, it sort of went lower and I don't know if that's ever happened to you where it's like, if it starts early and then it's like lowers, um, it does that sometimes for me. Um, but I was able to work that out and, um, it was honestly like after the second half, um, after 21 is when I actually started feeling better. Um, and it's just a testament. You might not always feel great, but if you keep moving forward, um, it's going to work out. And Mark just gave me a little note to say less ums. So I apologize. (laughs) Deep in story time. Uh, Uh, Okay. So 21 after the half marathon. I think we can't pass over that half marathon cheer station under that bridge. Culture athletics. That was a frigging wild, like that got my heart rate way too jacked up. And then it took me like three K to recover from that. It's like, Oh man, this isn't helping my cause here especially as I started to, to fall apart at that point. So, but I just want to give a shout out to that group. Yeah. Really. That was unreal, much needed. Definitely the, the most hype cheer spot out there. Um, yeah. So through the half and I was like nailing my feeling on that, my fueling on this, I was doing a gel every essentially like 25 minutes. So definitely wasn't my fueling. I was hydrating well, but also I was kind of getting in that 20 to 30 K section starting to get like a little bit of like pasty mouth, Mm. which like in a cool marathon you shouldn't get. But like, when we look back on everybody's kind of files there, it looks like it got up to about 16 or 17 degrees and the, the sun did come out on that section. So not like optimal marathon conditions, not like crazy hot, but I don't think I really estimated for that quite as much in my planning of that race. Uh, so yeah, this is where my quads, both of my quads were just like super sore at this point. And I was still, I was kind of dropping back and I was running something in the, like right around four minutes a K mm-hmm. from kind of 21 all the way till about 30, I was able to hold that there. It just felt like I was kind of running through quicksand and like 
aerobically, I was fine. I, I could have a full conversation. I wasn't breathing hard, but it was just my legs that were failing me during that part. Mm. Uh, but we got to see some of our team members kind of there at like 28K, which was a bit of a boost. But then you go into the the desolate last 12K. What was uh, 20 to 30 like for you? So it was really, really good after the downhill. So it was actually like this stretch that I probably felt the best. So all of those little things that were happening at the very beginning of the race, I had worked through, um, and I was feeling really good about the fact that I've overcome this. Okay. Now I can grit out. I can do anything. Uh, it was really incredible though. Vicky at around the half marathon, Mark peeled off and said, Oh, I need to take a quick bathroom break. I'll catch up to you. And I was like, what kind of race is this girl having? She could just catch up to me. Jesse did that to me as well. And I was like, those two were on a different level than us that day. Like if I bridged that, I would be like just walking the rest of the race. She was incredible. Freaking beast. Um, but I was still holding pace. I was doing well. And I, I was, I, I held steady and it was around 26 K that I could just feel her pushing the pace a little bit. And she was being super supportive. I said, just please go ahead. Don't let me hold you back from what's going to happen. And actually we found out in this moment that we were second and third female. Uh, the reason that I knew she needed to push is she made a comment. She's like, let's reestablish at 30 K. And if we can push forward and catch, um, the first female, let's go for it. I was like, you are running a completely different day than I am. You go get her girl. Uh, but yes, I would say that it was between the 21 and probably 30 that I really felt the cheers. I started having a big smile on my face, 28 K. It was a boost seeing the team. And that's where I started picking up the pace and passing people feeling really, really good and hitting my stride before we started heading into what I know was going to be the most difficult part of the race. So you were a little bit behind pace going through half. How were, what was your mindset like? Cause you were maybe like a minute behind pace going through the half. Yeah. You know what? I didn't, it didn't bother me because I also knew when I set the goal of going sub 50, that was a perfect day. And so Toronto was not a perfect day for me. And I find that if I start beating myself up in the middle of it, it's not going to be helpful. Uh, I actually pulled on Allison Jackson's mantra, the do well with you, what you have right now. And I pulled that one out and I said, well, what do you have right now? You have grit, you can work through it. And um, I actually borrowed a mindset trick from Melissa Powie. She's a good friend of ours from Calgary. She recently ran Boston and her uh, post-race analysis, one of her comments was she had a rule, no negative thinking. So I adopted that. Uh, so I didn't have any negative thoughts. That was a rule I had for myself. I just focused on doing the best that I could. So I was actually okay with it. I w- obviously, you want mountaintop races, but you're not always going to get those. And one of the things that we've been working on in my mindset, I mean, I've had some really, really great races and some awesome results, but we're focusing just as much on, I'm going to call it losing as winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I think like this has been a huge development as us as athletes over time, but, but because early in our careers, we would have, it was so black and white. It's like either you hit the goal or you fail. Like there's no in between. It's like, no, you set a goal to try and push yourself to these levels, but there you can fall. You can still have a successful experience and fall somewhere on that like scale on the way there. So like 
I think that's a, a definitely huge development that I've seen in you as an athlete over time, which is cool. Well, and it was like, I put on my Instagram after the race, if you hit your goals every time they're not big enough. And so I just made a really big goal and it was scary for me to make it public. But at the end of the day, the other thing that I think about is very few people actually care. They want me to succeed, but no one's sitting there stewing over my time result. Yeah. So, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, also the, the also the importance of doing a bunch of like races leading up to a marathon. Like you have so many chances to have successes on the way there too. And then not everything's riding on this one single day. So. Exactly. And Some as a coach, it's there. good for you to have like data points going in mm. to see how far off of my potential I was, was I right around it? It's, it's just good all around. For sure. Yeah. All right. Last 12 K. Holy did I have to dig deep. And it was like a weird digging deep. I've never had to, I've had it in the last like five or seven K of the marathon where your legs are like really failing you and you're digging in, but this one was just like pure muscle, like daggers in the quads for the last 12 K. So man, it was just damage control. The one thing I was like, I know I'm going to make it. It's just like, I'm not going to let myself walk at any point in this. I'm just going to literally hold it at this effort the whole way. And I knew that was probably going to mean slowly fading as I went along, but I'm like, I'm through half and I was through half and 30 seconds ahead of schedule. Essentially, I was like 121 through the half using the downhills and stuff like that. So I knew I was already on good form and looked even when I got to 30K, I was still technically on pace. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, my target pace I'd gone out at was like 230, 243, 44. So I'm like, I can still salvage a good day out of this. Like, totally. it's so easy to just like mail it in when it gets that hard in the back half and easily blow that up to like 20 minutes over your goal time. But I think that's one thing I've definitely learned as an athlete too, is how to grind out that last bit and just go to a spot in your head where you're just, yeah, it was tough. Like I've every step hurt. Um, it was desolate out there. I didn't run with anybody pretty much almost for the entire back half of the race. Cause I was either getting past or doing it like, very little passing uh but yeah some tough sections along the trail the turnaround a lot of like winding and stuff and where my quads are blown up my feet are hurting from blisters and you got like people on that trail too on bikes and stuff like that it was like a tough last uh 12k and the scariest moment for me was at 40k I started to feel like a cramp coming on just below my calf like just below my calf kind of upper Achilles part. And it started like pulsating and it felt like one of those ones that was going to blow into like a full blown cramp one where you'd like have to walk it in from there almost, or like wait till it stops to be moving forward again. But luckily I came up on an aid station at that point, just as my buddy, John suckling was blowing by me and I chugged like four cups of noon and started running again. And I felt it pulse once or twice. And then it just went like and released on me. So I think that again, like looking back on my strategy, I think I needed more sodium hydration in my strategy, my strategy, um, just based on the temps that were, that we ended up getting on the day. So yeah, I had to grind it out. A couple of those hills coming back in were super tough, but just had to go deep mentally and just keep moving the legs forward as fast as they would move. But yeah, it was kind of disappointing to not be able to use my full like aerobic fitness on it because I was never really working hard. My heart rate was low, but it was just like pure muscle fatigue that was uh, getting me on that one. And your feet, 
Like, were you in agony at this point or did you no, just not feel it? I didn't really feel it. Yeah. Like I could feel it, but it wasn't like a painful, like I needed to stay off it. It was just kind of like numb and you could tell it was like hmm. something like you were blistering down there, but during it, like you're, yeah, just rolling along. So it wasn't an issue until after. Hmm. What about you? Last 12K? So it's interesting. Yeah. This is like one of my favorite parts of a marathon, truthfully. Like I, we love endurance. I kind of love that moment where your body starts giving up on you, even if you're not having a great day. And that's where you get to lean in on all the mental fortitude that you've built. Like, I love that moment where you switch in and you go into that mindset. Um, I just, it's one of the most special things about a marathon over, I think any other race that is shorter. Um, so marathons are really special and I was really, I mean, I was obviously in pain, but I was truly enjoying it. Um, positive mindset only was having, I was having a really great time. I was high-fiving people. I knew that I wasn't going to hit my goal pace, but I was still going to, you know, hit my first sub three. Um, and quite easily I was still on track for that. Um, and then you're right. That's where it got really interesting. So I have had this condition where, and we're still trying to figure out what it is. It's cropped up now. I think this is the fifth or sixth time. And it's some sort of like arrhythmia. Um, I have a family history of heart issues. So we've watched it very carefully, but essentially what happens is out of the blue, my heart will misfire with a beat and I go into this state of, I don't know, shock or elevated heart rate. I start Uh, Depending on how bad it is, I can almost feel like I'm going to lose consciousness, get very dizzy, um, have all the symptoms of like a heart issue um, where it becomes not medically safe for me to run. And unfortunately, that happened at 40 kilometers. And I watched the reality of my race sort of slip away. uh, And I was really grateful that I set the no negative thoughts allowed because I just focused on doing what I could do, which was putting one foot in front of the other. And I essentially walked in the last 2K. I did not hit my goal, but I was very, very grateful that I was okay. Um, After this has happened in past races, I've gone and I've had my heart checked out. They say there's no damage. No one can figure out why. So that's going to be my number one goal this summer is figuring out what triggers it. Uh, My theory is I think it's some sort of like electrolyte balance. And because like you said, it got hotter later in the race, but So that was a disappointing moment, but what I was really proud of looking back on the race was it was a positive mindset. There was nothing that went wrong that I could have controlled. And all, even the things that I couldn't control, I was able to bring a really positive, um, goal focused mindset to. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your final time? I was 248.07, I think, which in hindsight, I'm quite happy about like I had to grind hard for that and I could have made it a lot worse. So in the end, quite happy with my spring as a whole. I got a sweet half marathon PB, ran graded around the bay and grinded out. And the in the end, when I had posted up at the start of the year, one of my goals for the year was a sub 250 marathon. So like it was just after my half, I was getting a little maybe a little greedy on what the goal was. And in the end, got the goal that we set out at the start of the year. So quite happy with it in the end. Hmm. And I, I did a 302 something. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't my goal. It wasn't even the one that I set out at the beginning of the year. 
But I think what I'm most proud of was how I acted after. I think that that's where I've showed the most growth as an athlete. And it's something that I've really doubled down on. We have, we talked about this 48 hour rule where you're allowed to feel crummy about a bad race result because both of us didn't hit our ultimate goals that we wanted. This rules for like positive and negative. These for this 48 hour rule. Okay. Maybe you know it better than I do. Yeah. Why the don't you talk about the it? rule, I think I've seen it a bunch around um, like online and stuff like that. Steve Magnus has put it out there a bunch of times, but the main premise around it is you get 48 hours after an incredible result, a crap result, a medium result to um, either enjoy it or wallow in whatever happened. And then the it, the it remains the same each time you just get back to work after that. So you can't put so much stock in an incredible result or beat yourself up too bad over a terrible result. You just got to, the yeah goal remains the same as just get back to work after that. So yeah, I think that's an important one because it's so easy for people, especially after a bad result to just like beat themselves up for an entire week after that. And like, what positive is that really doing for you other than like just breaking down your confidence, like see what you can learn from it. And then 48 hours reset, get back to work on the next goal. I think what I was most proud of in this whole situation is I never actually got low at all. Like I, I was, I was annoyed that this happened, but I was more concerned and obviously I've made all the appointments I need to, um, I've been cleared to keep training, um, and focus on what's next. And so, yeah, I would say we kept that at the 48 hour. We focused on, you know, what were happy activities we could do. We watched a really great movie. We relaxed, we put our feet up and then, you know, moved on with our lives. And I think like, this is where I'm so grateful for a community as well, because I don't always need to have a great day for me to be able to be really happy and excited and celebrate other people's successes. And I think I've been reading a lot lately about the importance of not making it all about you. Uh, it's what I love about being able to have a team in an endurance sports world by being able to focus on others and really lean into the community and celebrate other people's wins. You realize that, you know, at the grand scheme of things, you're not I mean, everyone's important, but no one's, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, no one's lying awake thinking about my result. So why should I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like we need to give a shout out to John Suckling. His uh, post uh, on Instagram after the marathon was really good and resonated really well with us. So he had on there, um, he had five kind of takeaways that he had from the race that I thought were really cool and, and good for people. Um, so one of them was like, less is more. So meaning like you don't need to like crush every workout or run the highest, highest mileage to have great results. Um, another one, trust your body, not your Garmin. So, uh, people often get beat up from what their Garmin is saying about their activity, like their ability level to run in races or how recovered they are. Like trust your body. It knows best. Like Lucy from last week's episode mm -hmm. had so many great tips on that. The one you just talked about, like, stop trying to be the main character. Like, once you integrate into a community and you guys have these shared goals and this shared grind all together and you're bringing people together, it's, like, so much easier to still have a positive race, even if yours doesn't go that well because right. you're invested in other people's successes. Um, another one, smile and always take high fives. So that fun piece of it that we always talk about is so important. And his final one was goal races are overrated. Um, and I... I I think it's great to have a huge goal like that, but I think it's like super cool to just like 
sometimes just let things flow and like just have fun with things and yeah some like a lot of the people I think we saw that had success in this race maybe weren't signed up mm-hmm. six months before like like us yeah where we were signed up we were signed up six months before totally. for clarity on that but yeah sometimes just letting races roll and doing some structured training and then roll into races can be a good plan as well so there's not uh you don't always have to have your eggs all in one basket and down to one day because you can mock up this whole idea of what it looks like in your head and sometimes it doesn't pan out like that and that can be tough to tough to take I definitely envision my day differently but I think as you develop as an athlete you just realize that yeah you got to move along from that I think one of the key lessons that I learned in this race too, is that I think I had this mindset that if you do everything right, you put all the training in, you'd get all the sleep, you carb load properly, and you take care of everything that you almost are guaranteed a perfect day. And I think what this day showed me is you can do everything right and you can still have a bad day. And sometimes and and it's hard to do everything right. We we spend some time talking about how athletes self-sabotage so that they have sort of a crutch on why their day was bad. The reality is I don't have a crutch on why my day is bad. There's zero excuses. I put everything that I had into it. I prepared and it wasn't the outcome that I wanted. But I think the most important thing is I'm not sitting there. I accept that that was just what it was. It was a day. And I'm you know, woke up. And I think now that I'm in the next phase, it's what do I need to do to recover, to look after myself, to make sure I'm healthy and strong and go into the next phase. Yeah. I think a huge piece of that is like all that work you did doesn't go away. Like you still are that athlete that did those many, many weeks of work. You're not just the sum of that one single day. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a huge piece. I'm always hammering home to my athletes as we put so much stock in that one day. And if you just call yourself as an athlete, how you performed on that one day, it's pretty easy to either think of yourself as a hero or a zero, but like, yeah, the, if you do all these things and play the long game, you're going to have those results and you're going to blow those goals. Like if I, if I ever envisioned myself running these times, like a bunch of years ago and like never would have thought it. So it's always that cool rule of like people overestimate what they can do in a short span but underestimate what they can do in the long run so like just remember there's always another race get back to work um yeah you can take solace and all those great things you did and you're still that athlete so use that as confidence to nail it on the next one and do lots of racing and have fun with it and you will get those results and blow all your goals out of the out of the water eventually it's so true and with the time i mean we shared it because we shared our ultimate goals But when I would talk to myself, a version of myself five years ago, I would be overjoyed with the marathon time that I just ran. And the reality is it was like a two minute PB for me. So it still was a success. Um, And I loved, I think it was Sean, um, one of our friends, he's a, he's a local chiropractor where we live and, and coach as well. He, he posted something very similar of like, just remember to stop and celebrate the times that you're running, even if they weren't exactly what you wanted, think back further and you'd be, you'd kill to run those times. And it's just living in that happiness and gratefulness that of constant improvement. And if you're focused more on that growth, it, um, I think that that's just a key way to go forward. You're not always going to have a great day. You and I both proved that. 
Uh, but there's lots and lots of different good things that you can take on it and move on. So what has the last few weeks looked like post-marathon? Yeah, not a whole lot. Just healing my uh, destroyed feet from my pepperoni blisters on my arches. Um, so we had a nice little escape to BC after for a little reset. Did some mountain biking and some hiking there. Some painful mountain biking and hiking that was. Um, so fun though. Yeah. And then, yeah, I've, my main focus this year in the area I need to get better at is the cycling. Like the swim and run has always been a pretty solid spot for me in triathlon, but biking is where I usually get left behind. So that's been my focus anyway. So it's kind of nice last week to get a kickstart and just do a pure biking week. And then, um, yeah, it's uh, more into full swing of things for Tromblant 70.3 prep that's coming in a couple weeks. So we're heading out to Ottawa this weekend to take in. I'm so pumped to watch the Canadian 10k champs. There's going to be some epic battles on the Saturday night there. And then we're going to do a big Gatineau park ride on the Saturday and a Hop in the Ottawa half marathon on Sunday. Have some fun there. I don't know what the plan is for that one yet. I'm keeping an open mind on it because running honestly feels like I've gone back about three minutes a K versus what my marathon pace was before. So keeping an open mind and going day by day. Running is actually feeling pretty good for me. Um, I think my focus for the Ottawa half, because this isn't something that we're necessarily going to go out for a PV on or anything. I'm going to try running this one just by feel. I'm going to turn my watch around and not really know what I'm running. Just see what my body has on that day and have a surprise at the finish line. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about today is as we're going into Trombla, like obviously I'm going to be laying the groundwork leading into some of the bigger races in the back half of the year. But we had this great conversation this weekend where I was just honest about the fact that you know, after a really big race that you've put all your focus in, and maybe John, our friend John is right, that goal races are overrated because I I find that I need time to mentally reset after such a big effort. I feel like I don't have that fire and I almost need to switch that track in my mind to start preparing for the 70.3. And I'm giving myself that runway that if I don't feel like I have that fire, the 70.3 can be a learning day as well so that I can bring the fire for another race that really matters to me. Yeah. Like you can only ride that razor's edge, especially mentally and physically for so long in a year. And if you think about it for this marathon, we were training, we got going like mid November after our honeymoon and we just put in tons of months towards this. And if you want to be able to perform when you get to a race like Kona in October, that's nearly like a year around, you need to have these periods of down and especially one like I find even more so an Ironman or a marathon like takes so much mentally out of you that I think it's a very natural thing to feel that like you're not that motivated for it. And I'm excited for trauma, but I wouldn't say like I have the like fight or fire in me yet. I'm just like trying to rely on our habits and consistency to just keep ticking the boxes and listen to my body. And I think that fire will come back for us pretty quickly, but I think it's also natural if you want to have those like really big highs in the year. I think you need to have these kind of dips and and resets and kind of mental capacity. Yeah. And the one thing that I appreciate, I know I'm not burnt out because I still love the training. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so excited to train and that's, it goes back again to community. You're doing it with friends. Uh, I'm loving the, like tonight was we, we went, it was a fast, but it was a fairly easy ride and we're just enjoying it this morning. We were just having a conversation while we were running 
it's having a little bit of downtime and just doing training for the pure love of it. It's, it's a really good reset. And I love how you program that throughout the year. Yeah. And I think especially like the three, four weeks, even after a marathon, like that takes such a mental and physical toll on you that you just got to keep such an open mind that people who want to keep jumping back right to those like a plus paces right away and think they're going to like miraculously feel great is like few and far between. So man, just got to like give yourself some runway. And yeah, the biggest thing is don't just fall off the wagon and totally stop doing stuff is the, the dangerous one that people do, but yeah, just keep something going and find like, it's just so easy having a community. You just can get out the door and do it. And even if you're feeling like crap, you watch, you're watching people out there crushing it. So that makes it a lot more fun. And then our fire will come back when it needs to. And maybe that's not for Tremblant. Maybe it is, but maybe I think both is. of us, our eyes are set on our Ironmans late in the year anyways, yeah. are the ones we're most excited for. I know every time when I'm out on that bike or on a run, like I'm envisioning Maryland and not Tremblant. Tremblant is going to be super fun, but yeah, it's really eyes on the prize. Poor Tremblant. I feel like, oh, right. Yes. We're doing that race and <laughs> Ottawa even less. So I'm like, oh, right. Yes. We're doing a marathon this weekend. Um, one of the guests, and I forget whether it was uh, Justin Metzler or Matt Sharp, but one of them made a really impactful comment in their interview they made the comment that, you know, I'm not naturally talented. I am just years and years of consistent work. So to your point, it's so important to me that even in our down or sort of easy weeks that you don't stop with the habits, the consistency is important. So, you know, race days, basically to summarize, you might not always have a perfect race day, but it's all the million little habits that you've built around it that are going to carry you through. I think one of the things that I'm realizing is if you're going to reach your potential, not every day is going to be a mountaintop moment. And it's important to know how to respond gracefully and with sportsmanship when you don't hit that mountaintop. Well said. Well, I think that's everything I had to say. I rarely say that I'm talked out, but <laughs> <laughs> that was our marathon. So we'll, uh, we'll check in in about a month. We have some lots of exciting things happening. Uh, lots of you submitted that this is what you wanted us to cover. So if there's a topic you want us to cover on the next one, feel free to just DM us and we'll, we'll add it to the lineup. But as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll check in next week with an awesome special guest and we wish you happy training. Wow. How great was that? I always learned so much from these endurance icons. If you enjoyed the podcast as well, please consider liking us across social media, subscribing to us on YouTube or giving us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you and your support so much. We wish you happy training, and we'll see you back next week.